0: The Law School of America. Textualism is a formalist theory in which the interpretation of the law is primarily based on the ordinary meaning of the legal text, where no consideration is given to non-textual sources, such as intention of the law when passed, the problem it was intended to remedy, or significant questions regarding the justice or rectitude of the law. Definition. The textualist will look at the statutory structure and hear the words as they would sound in the mind of a skilled, objectively reasonable user of words. The textualist thus does not give way to legislative history materials when attempting to ascertain the meaning of a text. Textualism is often erroneously conflated with originalism, and was advocated by United States Supreme Court justices such as Hugo Black and Antonin Scalia, the latter staked out his claim in his 1997 Tanner Lecture, is the law that governs, not the intent of the lawgiver. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., although not a textualist himself, well captured this philosophy, and its rejection of intentionalism, we ask, not what this man meant, but what those words would mean in the mouth of a normal speaker of English, using them in the circumstances in which they were used, we do not inquire what the legislature meant, we ask only what the statutes mean. Textualists argue courts should read the words of that text as any ordinary member of Congress would have read them. They look for the meaning that a reasonable person would gather from the text of the law, placed alongside the remainder of the corpus juris. The textualist cares about the statutory purpose to the extent that is suggested from the text. Textualist judges have contended, with much practical impact, that courts should not treat committee reports or sponsors' statements as authoritative evidence of legislative intent. These judges base their resistance to that interpretive practice on two major premises, first, that a 535-member legislature has no genuine collective intent concerning the proper resolution of statutory ambiguity and that, even if it did, there would be no reliable basis for equating the views of a committee or sponsor with the intent of Congress as a whole. Second, that giving way to legislative history offends the constitutionally mandated process of bicameralism and presentment. John F. Manning, textualism is a non-delegation doctrine. Strict constructionism is often misused by laypersons and critics as a synonym for textualism. Nevertheless, Although a textualist could be a strict constructionist, these are distinctive views. To illustrate this, we may quote Justice Scalia, who warns that textualism should not be confused with so-called strict constructionism, a degraded form of textualism that brings the whole philosophy into disrepute. I am not a strict constructionist, and no one ought to be. A text should not be construed strictly, and it should not be construed leniently, it should be construed reasonably, to contain all that it fairly means. Similarly, Textualism should not be confused with the plain meaning approach, a simpler theory used prominently by the Burger Court in cases such as Tennessee Valley Authority v. Hill, which looked to the dictionary definitions of words, without reference to common public understanding of context. Methods Textualism looks to the ordinary meaning of the language of the text, but it looks at the ordinary meaning of the text, not merely the possible range of meaning of each of its constituent words. The statute excludes only merchandise of foreign manufacture, which the majority says might mean manufactured by a foreigner rather than manufactured in a foreign country. I think not. Words, like syllables, acquire meaning not in isolation but within their context. While looking up a separate word foreign in a dictionary might produce the reading the majority suggests, that approach would also interpret the phrase I have a foreign object in my eye as referring, perhaps, to something from Italy. The phrase of foreign manufacture is a common usage, well understood to mean manufactured abroad. Kmart v. Cartier, 1988, Scalia, J., concurring in part and dissenting in part. As an illustrative example, Justice Scalia refers to a case in which the law provided for a longer sentence when the defendant uses a firearm during and in relation to a drug trafficking crime. In the case, the defendant had offered to trade an unloaded gun as barter for cocaine, and the majority, wrongly, in his view, took this meeting the standard for the enhanced penalty. He writes that a proper textualist would have decided differently, the phrase uses a gun fairly connoted use of a gun for what guns are normally used for, that is, as a weapon. As I put the point in my dissent, when you ask someone, do you use a cane? You are not inquiring whether he has hung his grandfather's antique cane as a decoration in the hallway. Justice Scalia has also written, The meaning of terms on the statute books ought to be determined, not on the basis of which meaning can be shown to have been understood by a larger handful of the members of Congress, but rather on the basis of which meaning is, 1. Most in accord with context and ordinary usage, and thus most likely to have been understood by the whole Congress which voted on the words of the statute, not to mention the citizens subject to it, and 2. Most compatible with the surrounding body of law into which the provision must be integrated, a compatibility that, By a benign fiction, we assume Congress always has in mind. I would not permit any of the historical and legislative material discussed by the court, or all of it combined, to lead me to a result different from the one that these factors suggest. Green v. Bach Laundry Mach. Company, 490 U.S. 504, 528, 1989, Scalia, J., concurring. Textualists do not, generally, accept the authority of the courts to refine statutes. Even if we were to assume, however, contrary to all reason, that every constitutional claim is ipso facto more worthy, and every statutory claim less worthy, of judicial review, there would be no basis for writing that preference into a statute that makes no distinction between the two. We have rejected such judicial rewriting of legislation even in the more appealing situation where particular applications of a statute are not merely less desirable but in fact raise grave constitutional doubts. That, we have said. Only permits us to adopt one rather than another permissible reading of the statute, but not by altering its terms to ignore the legislative will in order to avoid constitutional adjudication. Webster v. Doe, Scalia, J. dissenting. Textualists acknowledge the interpretive doctrine of lapsus lingui, slip of the tongue, also called scrivener's error. This doctrine accounts for the situation when, on the very face of the statute, it is apparent that there is a mistake of expression. C. For example, United States v. Excitement Video, 1994, Scalia, J., dissenting. I have been willing, in the case of civil statutes, to acknowledge a doctrine of Scrivener's error that permits a court to give an unusual, though not unheard of, meaning to a word which, if given its normal meaning, would produce an absurd and arguably unconstitutional result, and even break it. See, for example, Green v. Laundry Machine Company, 1989, Scalia j. Concurring, we are confronted here with a statute which, if interpreted literally, produces an absurd, and perhaps unconstitutional, result. Our task is to give some alternative meaning to the word defendant in Federal Rule of Evidence 609a, 1, that avoids this consequence, and then to determine whether Rule 609a, 1, excludes the operation of Federal Rule of Evidence 403, other textualists might reach alternative conclusions. Scalia's apparent inconsistency is perhaps explained by his choice to sometimes adhere to the more venerable judicial canons of interpretation, such as the Constitutional Avoidance Canon. The word textualism was first used by Mark Pattison in 1863 to criticize Puritan theology, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Justice Robert Jackson first used the word textualism in a Supreme Court opinion a century later in Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company v. Sawyer. Textualism v. purposivism. Purposivism is the perspective of statutory interpretation in which the judges should construe statutes to execute that legislative purpose. Textualism is the perspective of statutory interpretation in which the court should read the words of that statutory text as any ordinary member of Congress would have read them. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation, incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution-Share Alike license